Well, I've got to tell you, when we take the communion every Sunday, I think there's a, that's kind of, it's kind of a part of our tradition here. And I think you have to work to kind of keep it fresh every time, because otherwise it can move into a pretty meaningless ritual quickly. Uh, this morning with that story, Frank, oh man. And then when we were singing, I plead the blood and the children handed out, I forgot to get mine. And so they, they handed out, and we're singing that. Man, that was, was that a moment for you? That was a moment. I, I just thought, okay, this is what, what's represented in this moment with this bread and this cup. This is, what I, this is where my trust lies. All right, if you've got your Bibles, open to Romans chapter 8. And I want to officially welcome all onliners and in-housers. You are, you are wanted and needed. Glad that you're here. Let me begin with a question. Uh, does anyone here have any extreme or irrational fears, <laughs> which is the definition of a phobia? Uh, I mean, you can find a list of, you can find a lot of lists of phobias in different medical journals. And some people are plagued with, with, the, with bizarre, I mean, some you would expect. Some there is a phobia of failure. Some people have a phobia of dancing. <laughs> Some have a phobia of plants. Some have phobias of dust. Some have phobias of walking. Some have phobias of looking up. They just go through life. They really, they don't want to look up. Some have phobias of a fear of England, of, of England's culture. Some have phobias of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. Some have phobias of opening your eyes. Some have phobias of bald people. We have crazy phobias out there. In fact, there are over 500 recognized, defined phobias. And I think that's interesting in light of the fact that Jesus' most often command was, yeah, fear not. Fear not. He didn't want us living in fear. And you see this emphasis all through God's written word. In fact, maybe the most prominent, important, I can't say it's the most important, maybe just the most prominent usage of this directive to fear not comes where you've opened, if you've got your Bibles with your, your phones on your Bibles, Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read first from the paraphrase, the message, starting with verse 31. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare to even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. 
Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way Jesus, our master, has embraced us. It's almost as though the case he is building continues to crescendo until those last two verses, and then from the NIV it reads, Neither death nor life, pop that up, you got it. Angels, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That first one, the fear of death and life, definitely addresses death's finality and life's sufferings. The next one, the fear of angels or demons, addresses spiritual entities that are both good and evil. The next one, the fear of the present or the future, addresses time or the ages. That gives you that time perspective, either the present time or some future condition, concern. And of course, the fears of powers above or powers below, also addressing that there's no power out there. So nothing too high or too low can ever sever this connection that we have with God's love in Christ Jesus. The heavenly father wants the sons and daughters that he has adopted to know that there is no fear, known or unknown, imagined or unimagined, that can have any averse effect on his feelings of affection and unconditional love for us in Christ Jesus. Fear has no foothold. It has no standing. It has no resting place in the Christ follower. And while fear is definitely a force, I mean, we would all agree it's, it's real. We all have times when we struggle with it. It yet is no match with the love of God in Christ Jesus. Am I starting to sound a little bit like a broken record? Ellen G. White from Yester Century says it eloquently. Look at this quote. From him who created all flow life and light and gladness throughout the realms of illimitable space. From the minutest atom to the greatest world, all things, animate and inanimate, in their unshadowed beauty and perfect joy, declare that God is love. And that's, that, that's a piece. Now, I know that our Reel to Reel series is officially over, but I'm cheating. I've got one scene that I can't, when I was preparing this, I thought, I keep going back to Pixar's Up. Y'all watch this.
One scene, <laughs> one simple little four and a half minute scene, and it captures all of that. Neither death nor life. In verse 38, both death and life are mentioned as powerless to separate us from God's love in our Lord Jesus. God's word states that no life event, pleasing or painful, can alter God's love. No suffering, actual or conceivable. Nothing in life can bring us any kind of ultimate defeat. Nothing in death can create that schism between us and God's merciful care. In Christ, the mystery and finality of death has, has really been destroyed. So the apprehension and sorrow that we feel before death in this life no longer has any lasting dread for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
When we're with God, when God is with us, Emmanuel, when we're together, when we're on God's side, then whatever is on the other side has no bearing. Think about this. It fits so well with what you shared with us, Frank. When, when evil emperor Nero used Christians as human torches to light up his gardens at night. Did he separate believers from God's love in Christ Jesus? Well, no. When 70 years of Russian communism murdered over 70 million of their own people, did Lenin, Trotsky, Stalin succeed in separating the church from God's love in Christ Jesus? No. When sadistic Idi Amin butchered half a million, did he thwart God's love in Christ Jesus? No. In the repressive regimes of North Korea and China, Afghanistan, Iran, Nigeria, Turkey, etc., did Christ's influence of love in his followers come to a screeching halt? Well, no. What about in our own country? With efforts to remove God and his principles from our public places and institutions, has anything decreased in God's love toward anyone in Christ Jesus? Well, no. No, not at all. Let me read you something from the ancient prophet Isaiah. So, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and help you, strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Look at this from the paraphrase. Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear, for I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. Keep a firm grip on you. How can God say something like that? Well, he sees all and knows all and controls all. There's your how. But why would he say something like that? Because he doesn't want any of us living in fear. So if we choose to let go of this truth and live in fear anyway... Well, that's on us. That one's on us. But we don't have to. During a Bible class, a small group gathering, the question was asked, okay, in times of discouragement, what's your go-to verse? We've done this in our small groups before. What verse do you go to when you're going through a rough moment? And immediately one of the young men popped up and said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 23, 1. Okay, great, great. That's a good one. And then a middle-aged woman said, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Psalm 46, 1. Great, great. And then another person said, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. Great, great. And then there was an old man in the group. Mr. John, in his old white hair, 
He just simply said, and it came to pass some 85 times in the Bible. And the rest of the group tried to kind of hide a bit of a chuckle, thinking that old Mr. John's memory was having the best of him. And after the laughing, the quiet laughing died down a little bit, he picked back up. At 30 years old, I lost my job with 600 mouths and a wife to feed. Didn't know how I was going to make it. At 40, my eldest son was killed overseas in the war. It knocked me down. At 50 years old, my house burned to the ground and nothing was left and saved in our home. At 60 years old, my wife of 40 years got cancer and it slowly continued to eat away at her. We cried together many a night on our knees in prayer. At 65, she died. I still miss her today. The agony I went through in each of these situations was unbelievable. I wondered where, where was God? But each time I looked in the Bible, I saw one of those 85 verses that said, and it came to pass, and I felt like God was telling me that my pain and my circumstances were also going to come to pass. And that God would get me through it. So I was wondering in this first sermon on this new series of Inseparable, I wonder if any of us just quietly think right now, you know, I've got some things in my life that I'm really looking forward to them coming to pass. <laughs> you know, the thing that jumped in my mind more than anything else is I really look forward to a time when I'm no longer struggling with sin. You? When, the, when self has finally been removed from the equation and I'll be so fixed on that person that's sitting on the throne that I really won't be obsessed with me anymore. Don't you look forward to that time when we will truly be more interested in others than we are ourselves? Through life's fiercest droughts and storms, through death's darkest shadow and fear, our position remains secure. Here, in the love of Christ, we stand. Father, we are bombarded with misstatements, with words that are being forced at us, claiming to be true, but when we read portions of your word, we realize those are not truth. Those, th those are not true words. That is not truth. So as we move through this benchmark passage in your holy word, I pray that you would help us gleam every part of it you intend for us to receive. Let us remember continually that your love in Christ Jesus is where everything is founded. We sing this song to you, Father. It's our hymn. It's our anthem. It's truth. Hear our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, church, let's stand.